Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 69 of the Box Hard Podcast, episode 69. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, Ayaz. Very good. So, like every other show, we're going to dive straight into part one. Part one being the review part, where we review the fights from last week. So, uh, there's a couple of bills to review, um, not too much. So, we're going to start with a card that happened over in... Uh, the Horseshoe Casino in Mississippi, USA. This one was on the Thursday night, Thursday the 2nd of February. Uh, just one fight to mention on this bill. Old tricky veteran Louis Calazzo, uh, the Southpaw, obviously, you know, former world champion. He stepped in there against upcoming, also a Southpaw as well, Sammy Vasquez, who has a record of 21 and 1. Obviously, Louis Calazzo, 36 and 7. Um,. This was a good fight. This was a um, you know two guys that were at completely different or opposite ends of their careers. Uh, obviously, you know Colazzo being the old guy, he's been there before. Vasquez being the young lion, it was a good fight. But uh, Louis Colazzo was able to pull it out of the bag with a KO in round six. Vasquez was also down in round three as well. So um, yeah, you know, good good win there for Colazzo. Just goes to show he's not done. He's still can pull a win out the bag like that so his record now 37 and 7 and Sammy Vasquez has to go back to the drawing board it's not looking too great for him his record now 21 and 2 uh, that's it for the 2nd of February that's it for last Thursday we're now going over to Friday the 3rd of February one fight to mention over in Australia uh, it's not been you know it hasn't really made no impact over here but in Australia this was a huge fight for the Australian fans. I believe it was also on pay-per-view out there. Anthony Mundine, 47 and 7. He got in there against Danny Green, 35 and 5. Now, Mundine was actually deducted a point in the first round. Um, also, Danny Green was deducted a point in the seventh round. So both of those rounds going down as 10-8 rounds. Both, you know, wrote the other one out, so to speak. And it ended up finishing with a majority decision win for Danny Green. So a loss for Anthony Mundine. Um, a lot of people felt that Mundine won. I'm not sure of the of the uh, scorecards or anything. But yeah, a lot of people think that that was a bit of a robbery. I'm not sure robbery. Maybe a little bit unfortunate, the outcome there. Most people going with Mundine. Uh, it was a 10-rounder at Cruiserweight, that one. And that was for the Australian cruiserweight title as well. So, uh, yeah, you know, tell us if if you're an Australian listener, let us know what you thought about it. We, uh, you know, it didn't really capture too much attention over here, to be completely honest. But we also give it an honourable mention. Uh, over now in Puerto Rico at the Coliseo Roberto Clemente, top of the bill over there, Felix Verdejo. He moved to 23 and 0 with a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds against Oliver Flores. Oliver Flores, well, he came to fight, but, you know, Vadejo was just too good. And he also gets another successful defense of his WBO Latino lightweight title. So, good win for Vadejo. 
Also on the Friday at the Belasco Theatre, Los Angeles, California, Joshua Franco was on the bill over there. He proceeded to 9-0 with a KO after three rounds. His opponent, Victor Pasilias, um, obviously stopped in that third round. Uh, also on that bill, Jonathan Navarro moved to 8-0 with a win over Angel Rodriguez. Uh, also on the bill, David Mihares got a win and also Ryan Garcia. So good stuff for the youngsters over in L.A. Uh, that's it for that card. Now we're moving over to Russia at the Dynamo Palace of Sports in Moscow. Uh, Dmitry Chudinov got a win. He moved to 20 wins now. Of course, he's got that one loss to... Chris Eubank Jr., which we'll be talking about very shortly. He got a TKO in round one. So, Dmitry Chudinov, um, a good win for him there. His opponent didn't really come to you know, cause any problems or anything like that. Now we're moving over to the Olympia. Kensington, London, top of the bill. As I say, Chris Eubank Jr. was challenging for the IBO world title. I've said my piece on the IBO world title and, it, you know, and how... Um, how authentic or genuine of a world title it is. I said all that last week, so I'm going to just leave it at that. Uh, Reynold Quinlan, the champion, with a record of 11-1 going into this fight. He's now 11-2. He was TKO'd in round 10. Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, it was a bit of a foregone conclusion, this one. No one really thought he was going to have any trouble. He didn't have any trouble. He won every single round. Uh, you know, Chris Eubank Jr. now 24 wins and one loss. That loss to Billy Joe Saunders. He's the new IBO world champion. Um, Ayaz, I know that, you know, me and you both watched this fight. I just wanted to ask your take on it, really. Obviously, a lot of us thought that Quinlan wouldn't be able to trouble Chris Eubank Jr. A lot of people thought that Chris Eubank Jr. was just going to win this easily. And to be honest, he did what we expected. What did you make of the whole thing? I mean, Quinlan performed very good, uh, I can tell you that. But obviously, it's Chris, Chris Eubank Jr. was above level of him. That's why Chris Eubank Jr. won the fight. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chris Eubank Jr. also landed a lot of shots. And the one thing I will give Quinlan credit for is the fact that it took 10 rounds to get rid of him, you know, because Quinlan took, you know, quite a licking, to be honest. And he weren't, he weren't really going nowhere. Until, you know, it, it did catch up with him in the end. In those later rounds, he seemed to be, you know, getting troubled quite a bit. But, um, yeah, you know, routine win there for Chris Eubank. And hopefully we see him in another big fight. Well, I say another big fight. When I say another big fight, I'm referring to the to the, uh, to the Billy Joe Saunders fight. That was the, the only big fight he's been in. So um, I really hope we see him in a big fight against someone of note in the very near future. Because it's getting quite boring now. Uh, also on this bill, Ardin Diale put his WBC international flyweight title on the line against Andrew Selby. Andrew Selby collected this win and also collected the belt. So his record now 8-0, Andrew Selby. And he's picked up three belts within eight fights, eight wins. So Andrew Selby is absolutely flying at the moment. Very pleased for him. I sent him a nice message afterwards. Uh, yeah, you know, he was, he was he did really, really well. Uh, also on that bill, Adam Etches against John Ryder. This one was always, you know, viewed as a 50-50. It was for a vacant IBF international super middleweight title. Adam Etches seemed to look very one-dimensional. You know, it was a tough fight. Um, you know, John Ryder, surprisingly, looked pretty powerful at super middleweight, I will say. Obviously, both guys were moving up. But in my opinion, I think that John Ryder... Had him in all sorts of trouble, and really, I think if he just maybe had a little bit more snap, he could have got him out of there. 
You know, he really, really could have. He looked a lot more heavier-handed. He really did. Uh, Richie Woodall, I will just say, he had it even at the start of round 12. So going into that last round, it was really, you know, like whoever won that round for him was going to win the fight when a lot of people had it quite wide to, um, to John Ryder. So I'm not sure... What to say about that? It was a bit of a strange scorecard, but luckily the right man won after 12 rounds of boxing. But no, it was a good fight. You know, both guys been on the show. Both guys are true gentlemen. I wish them both the best of luck, but it's very, very hard to see a way back now for Adam Etches. You know, obviously he's only got the uh, the one loss prior to this. John Ryder had three, so if he had four losses, it would have been a bit harder for John Ryder to come back. I think Adam Etches can come back. But um, he's got to be very careful about how he does it. But John Ryder, hopefully we see a bit of momentum moving forward with him. Kid Galahad was also on the bill. Um, he was supposed to take on former world champion Joseph Agbeko. But for whatever reason, that fight didn't happen. And uh, Agbeko had to pull out. And there was a guy, I believe he was fighting on the undercard, uh, Lionel Hernandez. He had a losing record. His his, uh, his record was 10 wins, 18 losses, 2 draws. And he got pulled in there basically with a few hours to go. So Kid Galahad still got to fight. But, you know, his fight was the one I was looking forward to most on this whole entire card. So it was crushing for me and a lot of other boxing fans. And uh, Kid Galahad ended up, you know, getting a win. His opponent retired at the end of round 3. Um, I think he had an eye injury, I believe. Um, Kid Galahad just played with him really and he moves to 22-0 and 0, but what a shame because I was really looking forward to that it was going to be like the first test of his career against Agbeko uh, Chris Too Slick Congo also got out on the TV as well so uh, good stuff for him to, 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 you know, to show us his talent on live TV that was brilliant he moved to 3-0 and 0 with a TKO in round 1 and finally the last fight to mention on this particular bill um Christian Hammer, the WBO European heavyweight champion, put his belt on the line against David Price. Christian Hammer obviously coming into this with a record of 20-4. and four. David Price, 21-3. and three. Uh, Hammer was down in round five, Ayaz, and it looked like... Well, it didn't look like David Price was coming on strong because in that round that Hammer was down, he was winning it pretty big for me anyway. Maybe not pretty big, but he was winning it for me. And then it just seemed he just seemed to get caught and he went down. So it was very unlucky there. And then, you know, David Price was just absolutely tired. You know, he was absolutely blowing by the, by even the fourth or fifth round. And, and he actually, you know, he did pretty well to get to round seven before he was TKO'd. You know, the referee jumped in and waved it off. And um, this is devastating stuff for David Price. We know he's another true gentleman. You know, he's one of the nicest guys in boxing. But unfortunately, being a nice guy doesn't get you too far in boxing. You know, it doesn't. You, you need to have something with that. You need to have some skills. You need to be able to knock people out. He's got skills and he can knock people out, but he's definitely lacking something. I asked, firstly, what did you make of David Price's uh, his fight? And also, what do you see next for David Price? How does he come back from this? Can he come back from this? I mean, he performed very good at the start here, but the problem is he was really tiring out. By him coming back, I, d I can't see him coming back. Do you I know it's a bit harsh, but do you suggest, um, you know, do you, do you suggest he should retire now or or just drop down a level? What do you think? That's a tough one. I mean, it's confidence. The problem with it's his confidence. 
That's all it is. Yeah, I, I think so I've, too. Go on, sorry, go on. I think it's his confidence. And because of that, yeah, he's still not ready yet. Yeah, I know. But the thing is, you know, one thing, do you know what? I'm going to try my best here to stick up for David Price. I'm going to go out on record and say Christian Hammer is better than people give him credit for. And I'm looking at his record right now. He lost his debut, okay? He lost his debut on, you know, with a shoulder injury. He actually retired after the first round, okay? So he only fought uh, for one round, you know, for three minutes, and then he pulled out with a shoulder injury. That was in his first professional contest back in 2008, okay? So since then, he's put he's put together a string of wins. Then he came up against Marius Wack, who's a good fighter. He was unbeaten, 21-0 at the time. And um, he managed to KO Christian Hammer in round six. After that fight, he got in there against a guy called Bidenko, and he lost a majority decision over six rounds. Okay, so a very, very close fight. Now, that was back in December of 2010. Okay, so since that fight, so that's been six years and a couple of months. Since that fight, he's only lost one, and it was to Tyson Fury. You know, he actually pulled out of that fight. At the end of the eighth round, you know, he lost every round he was being played with. But Tyson Fury went on to do what he did. He became world champion. So, in a way, in the last six years, he's just got wins, 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 wins. And quite a few knockouts as well. So, yeah, he had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13... Yeah, 14. So so he's actually won... He's actually had 15 fights since his last loss. He's won 14 of them with a lot of knockouts, and he's lost one, which was to Tyson Fury. So I actually think that Christian Hammer could end up being quite a good fighter. I really do. You know, I really do think that. He's obviously the WBO European heavyweight champion right now. He's only six foot two, but he's also, one thing I, what, what kind of surprised me is that he's also scheduled to, to, to defend his European belt in Hamburg on the, on the 25th of March. So... You know, that's that's pretty soon after that fight just there. I'm not sure if that's definitely going to happen, but it still says, you know, it's still penciled in to happen. So, yeah, I think Christian Hammer could be a little bit better than what we give him credit for. As for David Price, I think that really and truly he is like a guy that, you know, he came, he came into the professional ranks with a lot of momentum. He was a bronze medalist in the Olympics. He came through, he was knocking everyone out. Then, obviously, he came up against Tony Thompson. He lost two fights to Tony Thompson, who was really old at the time. You know, Tony Thompson really should have got knocked out in both of those fights. Um, Obviously, Tony Thompson ended up failing a drug test or whatever happened. I'm not sure if that was on both fights or if that was on the first one or the second one. Whatever happened, he, he wasn't clean during those fights or one of them or whatever. So... Tony Thompson came out and then said it was actually uh, it was to do with some medicine he was on and the drug that was in his system was like a dieting you know a dieting drug which I can't remember the name of but there would be no sense in him taking that because he's a heavyweight he hasn't got a cut weight or anything so it was you know I don't think he was using it as like you know performance enhancing drugs like he was actually using it to to some kind of advantage I don't think Tony Thompson did that but obviously since then since the two Thompson losses he was he was very um, shaky in some of his fights despite winning them obviously he ended up winning um, four fights on the bounce none of them in the UK 
then he lost to Erkan Tepper, who again it came out that he uh, he was a drug cheat as well. And and you know Erkan Tepper again, Erkan Tepper was a good fighter. He was unbeaten as well, 14 and 0 at the time. Since that Tepper fight, he's had two fights. He's won them both by knockout, both in the second round. Then he comes up against Christian Hammer. Look, you know. David Price, as I say, when he turned over, come through with a lot of confidence. He was banging people out. He was the British champion. He defended it twice. You know, he was a good British champion. But I think since, you know, above being British level, going on to European, I think it's very... I think that's a, a bit too far for him. I think, you know, I think he is European level at best, David Price. But it's a shame because he's a lovely guy. I love his trainer, Dave Caldwell. Big, big fans of him on this show. But um, you know, we can't really, we can't really make a case for him. It, it is what it is, you know. What I say or what he says or anything like that. Remember, you know, he was supposed to have knocked out Anthony Joshua in sparring. So they say maybe he did, but I just think under the lights is where it matters, and he just can't seem to do it, which is it's horrible. But we wish him all the best with whatever he does. You know, he's he's gone through a few different trainers now. It doesn't seem to be the trainers that, you know, it's not their fault. He's been with different trainers and he's lost. And, yeah, you know, there's no real excuse when you're being, you know, when you're gassed that bad. He was absolutely gassed to high heavens by round four. You know, you just, unless you, you can't just bang everyone out within three rounds. But if it goes more than three rounds, he can't, he can't do it, you know. But, uh, yeah, as I say, best of luck to David Price, man. You know, it's, it's gutting. But that's really it for the reviewing. That's all we've got for last week's fights. That's all we've got. That's all the talking done. So before we end part one, there's one last thing to do, and that is to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former British champion and current WBC international champion, Mr. Sam Eggington. Sam, welcome to the show. Nice one, mate. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure, Sam. It really is. Now, I just want to go back to something that I previously heard about you. When you started boxing, um, there was... I've, I've heard it. I'm not sure if it was 100% true. I just wanted to, to get it from you. Um, I heard that you just walked into a gym and sort of said, listen, I want to box, even if it means being a journeyman. What exactly happened there? Yeah, that was, that was the truth. I, I, I boxed as an amateur, not very serious. Uh, I had about 30 fights. Um... I had my son very young and I quit boxing and I just got a job and I got made redundant and I just went into the gym. Luckily enough, I walked into John Pegg's gym and I said, look, uh, and I've heard about these you know, these people go on the road to box every week, they get paid, win, lose or draw. I want to do that. <laughs> get me on the road. Um, and it's just gone from there, honestly. Never look back here. Yeah, brilliant stuff, man. That's amazing. Uh, you get a lot of respect for that, for sure. Now, Sam, you're fighting on the Hay versus Bell you undercard on March the 4th. We're going to get on to that yeah. in a moment. Uh, firstly, I want to go back to your last fight. You fought Frankie Gavin on the 22nd of October, just last year. And I'm going to put my hands up here. I thought yeah. Frankie was going to win that fight, if I'm being honest. I truly do. I think a lot of people thought the same. He wouldn't have been the only one, mate. He wouldn't have been the only one. Yeah. And you were amazing. You know, since that fight, we gave you massive credit the week after when we did the show. We got Frankie Gavin on the show as well. He spoke about that loss. He gave you a lot of credit as well. Um, you know, you've you've got a come-forward style. You can be like a wrecking ball at times. And your boxing skills are underrated as well, in my opinion. It was a great win. You were unreal that night. Would you say that was the best win of your career so far, Sam? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I think it was the best win of my career. 
it's the best win in 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 the sense of the name of Frankie Gavin. You know, he's an ex world amateur champion. Yeah. Um, an ex British champion who you know won in outright Commonwealth, fourth for the European, fourth for a world title. So I suppose in that way, but in general, it was just the most satisfying. I think, you know, I've never had a um, you know, a, a local rivalry or you know anything like that, and and that was the first one. So to win it, you know, it it, it was it felt good, yeah. And as we mentioned before, you're taking on Paulie Malinagi on the Hay versus Bellew undercard. Now, Paulie Malinagi is a, obviously a former world champion. He's mixed it at the top level. Uh, he'd be the first to admit that his best days are probably behind him now. Uh, this is a brilliant fight because I yeah. love fights where both guys are at the complete opposite ends of their careers. You know, we've got a tricky veteran in yeah. We've got a young lion coming up in yourself. A similar fight, what we saw earlier this week, actually. I don't know if you if you caught it at all. Sammy Vasquez took on Louis Calazzo, and in that case, Louis Calazzo. Yeah, I did of course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he pulled it out of the bag, the tricky veteran. Hopefully that doesn't happen in your yeah. case. But yeah, he's mixed it with some good guys, you know, Ricky Hatton and all that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just as young as you. We're about a year apart or something like that. So we've seen, well, I grew up anyway watching Paulie Malinagi. I've seen a lot of him. What do you think of him as a boxer, Sam? He speaks for himself. He's quality. You know, you have to look for his record to, to see that he's, you know, he's a quality operator. Um, like you say, I think, you know, his, his best years are behind him, but you can't, you can't, you can't go into a fight thinking like that, especially with someone like, especially with someone who's operated at the top for so long, because they could just pull some out of the bag that, you know, that you know you probably wouldn't expect. But um, you know, I, I expect him to come and 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 do his thing. You know, he likes to, you know, um, be a bit tricky. You know, lean back, pop pop the jab out. Um, but you know, it's it's all about. Working it out, and and I think we I think we've worked it out well, and and if not, you know I'll work it out, you know as we as as, as the fight goes on. But you know I'm confident that um, I'll get in and do a job on the fourth of May and March. Sorry, and um, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And would you say, Sam, that he's fought anybody like you before? Um, honestly, I couldn't. Um, I couldn't say I haven't been through his record as much, but I don't think he's fought any like me, anyone like me in the last. You know, let's say four, four years, five years. I know he ain't box regular at all, anyway. But, but um, I think it'll be a shot to the system. I mean, I'm 23. Um, I'm fit as a fiddle, and you know, I've come forward, you know, relentlessly, constantly. How he'll take to that, being, you know, like you say, probably the best days are behind him. He's 36 and stuff like that. You know, we'll, we'll be up to him. But, you know, I'll just say, as long as I've trained to my best ability and done everything I can in the gym. It shouldn't matter what Portman and Nardi turns up, you know, I should I should be confident in myself and I am confident that, you know, I'll do the job no matter what Portman turns up, I'll I'll have enough to beat him. Yeah, and that's the right way to think. Um, obviously you you know this anyway, but in my personal opinion, I think that Paulie's never been too great against pressure fighters. I don't think he's brilliant at keeping people off him, possibly because he doesn't have, you know, the hard shots, he doesn't hit very hard. Um, I think at this point in his career and with your momentum as well, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, I held my hands up a moment ago when I said I doubted you before uh, when you fought for yeah. Gavin. I've learnt my lesson not to doubt you again, but I honestly think you're going to win this <laughs> fight. I truly do, Sam, because you, the way you fight, you just cannot allow him to dictate the pace, because one thing he is good at, obviously, is boxing. He's got quick hands to match, but I think this is the right timing for you. I truly do. I always think, you know, he, 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 you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, play the fight down. But I think it's perfect. I think it's, it's too much of perfect timing on my account. 
if you know what I mean. I think, you know, Paulie Manning, like you say, he's, he's maybe a bit, a bit, a bit past his best, and you know the age and the weight. You know, Paulie Manning and will be a handful at anyone at light weight away, but at weight away, you know, the day after the weigh-in, he's going to have serious problems keeping me off. Yeah. I'm, you know, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm coming to the weigh-in and he's going to look at me and I'm going to look like, a, um, you know, like a, you know, like a panda. You know, two two dark black eyes and you know, I'm going to look. I'm not going to look great, but you know, the day after, people, people see that, you know, it's going to be a really hard night for Paulie Malinardi, and I think, you know, like you say, you know, I just think the timing's perfect on my behalf. That's all. I think it's 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 too right for it to go wrong. Although I'm training, like you know, anything can happen. But um, like you say, yeah, I'm 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 confident and I'm putting it all in, and I think it is perfect timing on my behalf. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. I have to agree. And uh, lastly, I want to just ask you a couple of questions about some other fighters and fights that that are coming up. Uh, being under the same promotional yeah. banner as Kell Brook, obviously, you know the obvious fight would be you and him. Yeah. It appears like you're going down the WBC route, and plus he's got his hands full with with the Errol Spence thing. Um, do you know Do you know yeah. enough about Errol Spence to give us your prediction on that fight if it were to happen? Um, you know, I've watched him a few times. You know, people because. To me, I, I, I've only watched his last three or four. I don't know how many fights he's had, but I've only watched his last three or four. Um, and he's looked, you know, he's looked strong, and he's, you know, he's done serious jobs on kids that, you know, are not normally put out. Like, um, who's the kid that fought Pacquiao? That, that that tall white kid used to be a kickboxer, and he put him out. And I thought that was a shock. I didn't expect that. Ah, uh, um, yes, I yes. I can tell you his um, name. Uh, yeah, Algeria. You know what I'm about, don't you? Algeria. Yeah. Algeria. I thought I didn't see him. I didn't see him putting Algeria out, and you know he did. And then he done a serious job on Bundu. And I know Bundu. You know people say Bundu's old, but you know he, he went the full full distance with Furman the fight before. Yeah. So um, you know he he has been putting some people out that you know he, I thought was unexpected, and he's he's done really well doing it. But like I say, I think mainly with Calbrook, I think I think it's a weight. I think you know going up to middleweight. Proves, and he's done well at middleweight against an absolute tank in Golovkin. I think it proves that you know welterweight is probably too much for him. You know, too 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 low to get to. But um, I think if anything, and I think he'll have that. To, I think I think that'll be the um, the main thing. But um, I don't see him outclassing him or you know even out punching him or anything because Cal Brook, you know, he does everything superb. So. I think mainly for me, I think the weight will kill Calbrook, and I think that's what that's what will be the, um, the telling the, factor, the bad bit for him. I think that's I think that'll be the main factor in it. Yeah, yeah, no, a good fight anyway. And I've got to ask you about this as well. Uh, two people that you've previously fought are both fighting each other in May. Uh, Bradley Skeet and Shane Singleton. Do you reckon Bradley Skeet will have any trouble against Singleton at all? I don't think he'll have trouble. I mean, I mean Shane does what he does well. But I don't think Skeet will have much trouble. I mean, Shane's got heart, you know, coming out of his... You know, he, he's got a lot of heart. He will carry on coming and carry on coming. But honestly, I don't think Bradley Skeet... I don't think Bradley Skeet has a, 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 a hard night there. Um, I think as long as Bradley Skeet takes him serious and does what he normally does, you know, I think I think he wins by a clear distance for money. Yeah, I think... Um, I'm not just saying that because he... But I just think... You know, I just think that's I think that's the way it'll go. Yeah, yeah. But it'll be a good fight while it lasts. Shane, Shane does give it all he's got, so we'll see. 
And the last question I want to ask you about other fights now. Um, I've got to ask you this now because, you, you know, I've, I've listened to what you say. You seem to know about these other fighters. <laughs> Keith Furman against Danny Garcia. This one is one I've been looking forward to for ages. Who wins you know, that? You know what? It's hard, but I carry on going. With, I, I love Danny Garcia. I love the way he bats. I love what he does. But I just can't go. I just think Keith Furman's too busy. And... You know, at welterweight, I think he's too big for him. I think he, I think this is a bad fight for Danny Garcia. I think, um, I think he's big and he does, he does a lot more. I think he, his work rate and he hits. I know Danny Garcia hits, but he ain't looked like he is he's that much of a, a, a killer puncher at welterweight as he was at light welter. Yeah. So I think, I think I'm gonna go with Thurman. Yeah. I think it'll be, I think it'll be a points decision, but I think, I think Thurman wins. Yeah, I have to agree with you there, man, for sure. And uh, Sam, I know you're very confident about your fight coming up. Um, you don't have to give it to me if you don't want, but uh, I will ask you uh, if you've got any kind of prediction. Again, I don't want to push you for one if you haven't got one, but how do you see yourself winning that fight against Paulie? I'm not going to go for any rounds, but I can see the fight going a lot like the Gavin fight. Um, but like I say, you know, with people like... Malinaji's fought at the top level for a long time. You never know what they're going to pull out of the bag. But I can see the fight going a lot like the Gavin fight. You know, it'll be, a, you know, it'll be rounds here and there. But I think in the end, you know, I'll have too much for him. I just think I'll be too much. And I think I'll stop him later on. I'm not going to pick around because, you know, I think that's disrespectful. But I just think, you know, I'll have too much for him at this at this point in, the, in, in both of our careers. So I think a late stoppage. Okie dokie, late stoppage. And finally, Sam, just before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to thank anyone or give anyone a shout-out at all while you're on this platform. Uh, you know, I've got to shout-out all the sponsors. You know, you know, um, I have massive help with sponsorship. Daffabet, Westbound Shipping Services, you know, Home Serve um, Repairs. You know, all the food. I have prep food made for me weekly, so I can't thank them enough making while away. Um, the meat man sends me a nice hamper every month. So yeah, I'm I'm you know I'm very thankful for all of them. Excellent stuff. Okay, listen, Sam, it's been a pleasure having you on this week's podcast. I wish you all the best for March the fourth. I truly do. We're behind you 100, percent and we'll catch up sometime after the fight, my friend. All right, thanks a lot, mate. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part is the preview part, but just before we get into the preview part, we're going to talk about this week's news. Ayers, please bring us in with this week's news. Josh Kelly has turned professional with matchroom boxing and will make his debut on the undercard of Ricky Burns' unification clash with Julius Indongo in Glasgow. Yes, Josh Kelly, obviously, you know, we've seen him, um, you know, representing Team GB, representing Great Britain at the Olympics in, in Rio just last year. Uh, you know, he's a good fighter, he really is. It's, you know, all these Olympians are good fighters, a lot of them turning pro uh, just recently, a lot of them signing with matchroom, so... Just another guy, really, to um, you know, to look out for, because Josh Kelly can seriously fight, and um, yeah, I'm excited for his future. That's really the the open and shut of it, to be honest. Jarrell Miller is waiting news on a discussed heavyweight fight with Luis Ortiz and hopes to battle his his fellow title contender in New York. Yeah, um, you know, we want to see Big Baby Miller in a good fight. We had him on the show. He was talking all about uh, most of our fighters over here in the UK. Um, you know. It, he also has Luis Ortiz on his radar. You know, wanting it in the United States, I don't know if that would happen because Ortiz being signed with Matram. And saying that, since since his last fight, you know, beating Dave Allen, 
I haven't heard anything mentioned about Ortiz. I haven't heard anything. I don't know when he's next fighting. I don't know, you know, his championship status, anything. So, um, yeah, I can't see that fight happening. And if it is to happen, I doubt it would be in the United States. But then the proposition of having a card in the United States, that might be something that Eddie Hearn because he likes challenges and stuff so maybe he might do that maybe that could end up happening but in my heart of hearts I can't see it because I think um, I know that Jarrell Miller wants to get paid for these big fights and um, I don't know being fighting someone who can't actually speak the language as well like Luis Ortiz he would have to be built up to earn the money that I think both guys would want for that fight so I don't think that fight's going to happen I think we're going to probably see Ortiz um, fighting someone at the top of the WBA, we need to see that belt sorted out. You know, who's going to be the WBA world champion? That all needs to be sorted out very soon. But um, I think he'll have his eye on that rather than taking a backwards, backwards step, so to speak. Not not in terms of talent, if Jarrell Miller's listening. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in terms of status and where he's at and positioning, I don't think he's going to take a back step, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting anyway because we do need to see Big Baby in a big fight, and we also see we also need to see Luis Ortiz in a big fight for sure. Is there any more news for us, Ayaz? Uh, no, that's it, Joey. Okay, cool stuff. Thank you very much, Ayaz. So now we're going to get straight into the preview part. As I said, uh, one fight happening over, well, a couple of fights actually happening over in the Huntington Center in Toledo, Ohio, USA. Top of the bill, Rache Warren puts his WBA Super World Bantamweight title on the line against Zanat Zakayanov. Uh, Rache Warren being 14-1, Zakayanov 26-1. This should be a good fight, by the way. Rache Warren's a good fighter, and um, so is Zanat Zakayanov, you know. So this is what makes this fight pretty intriguing. The IBO World Bantamweight title is also on the line, but... Um, I'm not going to, you know, that doesn't really need to be mentioned. It's that kind of show. We're offending people this week. We really are. Also on this bill, because it's a double world title fight card, Robert Easter Jr. defends his IBF world lightweight title against Lewis Cruz. Lewis Cruz with a record of 22-4 and four, with one draw. Robert Easter Jr. 18-0. and 0. Also on this bill, Terrell Gaucher looks to move to 20-0. He's taking on Luis Hernandez, who has a record of 15-3. So all the best to Terrell Gaucher. Uh, also on this bill, Jamel Herring, good friend of the show. He's in his 17th professional contest. He's record 15-1 at the moment. He's in an eight-rounder at lightweight against Art Hovhannisian. I think I know how to pronounce his name because Jamel Herring kind of taught me on the show when we had him on a couple of weeks back. But we definitely wish Jamel Herring all the best of luck in this fight for sure. Uh, that's it for Huntington Center in Ohio. We're now going to go over to one fight happening in Mexico. I'm going to try and pronounce the venue. This one is the Gimnasio Municipal Gustavo Diaz Ordaz. I think I've done well there. Uh, Antonio DeMarco, 31-6 and six with one draw. He's fighting Luis Solis, who has a record of 20-7 and seven with four draws. This is a 10-rounder at super lightweight. So um, that should be a good fight. Antonio DeMarco 
you know, he's, he's been in some good fights. I suppose he's going to probably be the favourite in this one. And finally, the final card to mention. This one happening at the Westcroft Leisure Centre in Carshalt and Surrey. Uh, not too far from me, that one. Top of the bill, Lenny Dawes. 30 wins and 4 losses with 2 draws. Taking on Anthony Yigit, who has a record of 18-0. and 0, Undefeated with just 1 draw. This one's for the vacant EBU European Super Lightweight title. The 140 European title. Lenny Dawes gets another crack at this belt. Um, I know that he's very, very thankful to Mick Hennessy. Mick Hennessy certainly delivered for Lenny Dawes. You know, they've been very loyal to each other. It's worked very well. Lenny Dawes, you know, he's come up short for the, for the European strap. It's really a, a belt that I get a feeling that he won't retire without winning. So we really want him to do well here. We really are behind him. I remember being at his last fight when he challenged for it and got disqualified but i wish him all the best of luck i seriously do lenny Dawes, a real nice guy another nice guy we've got so many nice guys in british boxing it really is a family it really is and also on the undercard peter mcdonough he gets out in his 57th contest he's got 27 wins 28 losses and one draw so hopefully he gets a win uh, also on the bill, Tony Banch. He's the guy that's managed by Prince Nassim Hamed. He's in his fourth professional contest. His opponent yet to be announced. Also, Kirk Garvey gets out again. He's in his ninth contest. His record's 7-1 and one at the moment. But that's really it for the preview. And there's not been too much to preview this week. There's not too many fights on this weekend. But we've read out all the biggest fights for you. And of course, we've also wished the best of luck to the guys that we have love for. We've got a lot of love on this show. It's a family show. We spread the love, not just to our boxers, but also to our listeners. It really is a, a big family here on the Box Hard Podcast. But that's really it for the preview. And as I said, that's it for the news. Part two is about to end. But before it ends, there's one last thing to do. And we do the same thing every single week. You're used to this now. It's to welcome guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man that next month is having his 52nd professional fight. He's also on the undercard of Hay versus Bellew. It's, of course, Mr. Derry Matthews. Derry, welcome to the show. Hey, the lads. Hey, thank you very much, my friend, for coming on. Now, firstly, Derry, as I mentioned just there, you're in a big fight next month against the undefeated O'Hara Davies. It's his birthday today. Um, you know, you're an honest man. You're down to earth. It goes without saying that you had a bit of a bad year last year. Yeah, I had a, obviously a bad year, um, but I had a bad year fighting world-class fighters in yeah. um, Kenny Flanagan and, and Luke Campbell. Um, but, you know, push that to one side. I've had I've had upsets and, you know, my team my career, basically. I've always boxed the best. and So now it's time to, you know, move up a weight and, and let's see what this young cook's got. Let's see if he's, if he's good as we say he is and let's, let's give him a test. Let's get in there and and had some shots go on. Yeah, I was going to say that. In fairness, you fought two top quality fighters. Um, um, you know, many fighters couldn't have a bad year and then come back straight into a fight like you're having next month and put in a good performance. But you're unique in this area, to be honest, because you've proved time and time again that you can pull a win out of the bag when needed. And you've done it many, many times throughout your career. Um, as I say, you're taking on O'Hara Davies. As I mentioned, firstly, Derry, what are your thoughts on him as a person? We've obviously seen a lot of back and forth on Twitter. What are your thoughts on him? As a person, I just don't, I just don't think, you know, I don't think what he knows what he's doing himself. I think he's a bit deluded in the head. And, you know, I don't think he's got respect for anyone. Uh, not just me, I don't think he's got any respect for any 
any boxing out any boxer out there. I always see him slating Josh Taylor, Robbie Davies, you know, he's having a go at them all. And you know, worth respect. You know, I've been in this game a long time, I've been a professional for fifteen years and I've never come across anyone like him in my life, as in like I think people in his own team don't even like him. That's how bad of a person he is. I've had people who be trained with who are no close, who are no well, who don't like him. And people in his own stable, you know, there's people out there who have grew up with him as well who don't like him. We were texting me every day and make sure you smash him. I hate the mouthy, whatever he is. And, you know, so now it's down to me just to listen, just to push that to one side. And I'm just focused on doing what I've got to do. Um, and if I turn up, and I believe I'm going to turn up, the best I'm going to be, I'll, I'll win the fight and I'll win it easy. And Derry, what are your thoughts on him as a boxer? We know that he's got a good jab when he uses it. He's got a long reach. He can bang a bit. Obviously, you're moving up to 140 for this fight. He's been at 140 for a little bit now. Is that something you're pleased to be doing, moving up to 140? And also, as I say, what do you think of him as a fighter? He, he seems to be pretty promising at the minute. In all, you know, yeah, in due respect. He, yeah, he is. Listen, he's put in front of him. But I don't think he's boxed anyone with the experience and, and the power I've got. Uh, me moving up to 140 pounds is a, is a bonus for me. Obviously, I mean, I've, I was a big 135 fighter, uh, and as I've got older in time, and you know, it's it's it, it hurt me a bit to make the weight, um, and and now I'm I'm going to be strong as an ox at 140. Basically, fight week I'll be I'll be carb loading all fight week I'll be ready and I'm ready to to go and do what I've got to do, but. Boxing wise, I think he's got a good job. Um, he's in a good stable. He's got a good training, Tony Sims. But I know that you know, I've I've, be, I'm, I've prepared the best I can prepare. I sparred three world champions in this fight, and you know I haven't took him lightly. I took him serious, and you know I know what's at stake. You know I I beat him, and you know I'm knocking on the door for for big honors. And Derry, you've been around the block. You know he, he hasn't, so to speak. The experience is in your favour, undoubtedly. Do you feel that you need to be 100% fully fit and focused to win this fight? And any lower than that, you you, you know, you don't have such a good chance. Do you feel you need to be 100% for this one? Yeah, I do, yeah. And that's why I've locked myself away. Um, I've, I've, you know, I've, moved up, I've, I've left my wife who's, who's definitely pregnant. And you know, I've come away to prepare the best I can prepare. Um, I've been out in LA. I'm back in Scotland now at the moment. And, you know, I've locked myself away. I've basically packed my bag. And just gone for six weeks just to, to be the best I can mentally and physically. And I don't make excuses. So I've got no excuses when I win if I did ever get beat. But I know that I'm going to win the fight. I know that I'm going to be prepared the best I've possibly prepared. I've done everything right in camp. And I've had great sparring. I've got another two weeks of sparring left. And, and, I, and I'm loving it. I'm loving, I'm loving the sacrifice. And obviously, you know, it's hard being away from my wife and my, and my children. But, you know, come fight night. And then I'll mark the fifth when I wake up with a new belt. It's going to be well worth it. And, you know, and I know, I know O.R. Davies is a big puncher, they're all saying, but what's he like getting it? He's never been it. And I'm, believe me, I want to hit him and I want to test him. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to ask you about a couple of other fights um, that, that are coming up. I want to ask you about the main event of the card that you're on, Hay against Bellew. I know Bellew, obviously, being from your neck of the woods. How do you see yeah. that one playing out, Derry? A lot of people favouring Hay, though. Yeah, a lot of people are favouring it, but listen, I'm, I'm Tony's friend, and people are going to say that it's going to be a biased one, but I've got a feeling Tony's just going to put it right on him. I think he's bottled going to go. He's been out of the game a long time, but when I say he's been out of the ring, 
he's been in the ring, but he hasn't been in with people like like Tony Bellew. He's been in with basically Dorman and Windicators. That's all he's been fighting. This time round, Tony Bellew's going to bring it to him. And if Tony jumps on him, I can see Tony winning within four rounds. I can see David Day, you know, making an excuse, a shoulder injury or something, or, or even being chin. But I know Bellew's going to win the fight. Okay, and another fight I want to ask you about. We just got off the phone to him a little while ago. Uh, Sam Eggington against Paulie Malinaji, obviously at 147, the weight class above uh, above 140, which you're fighting at. How do you see yeah. that one playing out? That's really interesting. Listen, it's, it's, a, it's a great fight, uh, Sam. I think Sam will probably be one of the most improved fighters in Britain. He's got one of them styles, maybe look at him, you think, no, I could beat him. Anyone could beat him. But... For some reason, he gets in there and he breaks your heart and he breaks people down. And I rarely, rarely rate him. Not many people do what he could do to Frankie Gavin. Because Frankie's a world-class amateur, world world champion. And Sam got in there. You know, he's a young kid as well. He's fresh and he's brave. He's got a good trainer, John Pegg. I remember meeting John Pegg. Most of about three years old, three or two years old. Um, and Sam was only had a handful of fights. And John said, Derry, watch this kid. Um, he's gonna if he gets given the chance, he's gonna be he's gonna be a star, and he, he's done it. And I, and, I, and I honestly think he breaks Paulie Malinaji's heart as well. I really, really think he, he wins the fight. I just think obviously Malinaji's got all the skill in the world and everything, but this is a massive fight. This is like the platform, Sam, onto the next big stage. You know, we can sort of become a superstar. Everyone knows who Paulie Malinaji is all over the world. And to beat him, you know, on a massive undercard is 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 a brilliant, it's brilliant for him. Yeah, absolutely. We wish him the best of luck. Um, couple last questions now, Derry. Um, yeah. I just want to basically ask you if you've got one. That is, I don't want to push you for one if you don't. Yeah. But uh, do you have any kind of prediction of the outcome of your fight against O'Hara? No, I just I'm just going to win, and uh, I just don't want to beat beat him, beat him convincingly. And, I've got a little feeling he might, he might quit on the steel. I want to, I think I'm going to break his heart. I want to do things what no one's done to him. And let's see if he's as good as he, he says he is. You know, one minute he's saying he's got no respect for me, one minute he's saying he has got respect for me. He needs to make his mind up. He's got three weeks left. He's not going to get any more, much fitter in three weeks. So I know I'm fit as a fiddle. I've done the best camp I've ever had. And I'm feeling great. I'm feeling strong. I'm trying to walk forward. I know I'm going to take it to him and I'm going to set the pace and, and he's in trouble. Okay, Derry. And uh, finally, just before we let you go, I just wanted to give you a chance to give your, you know, to, to, to give your gym a plug as well to any of our listeners. You've got your own boxing gym now. Tell us about it and how people can get down there and get involved. Then I've got my own gym in Liverpool City Centre, Liverpool Cree area. It's called Derry's Gym. Basically, we have a, we have a class on every day at 10am and we have children's boxing. Um, at half four every night then adult circuit classes at half five adult boxing at half six um, we do disability boxing as well which is on Thursday at two o'clock where we're getting you know 50 disabled lads and girls in all having a good good workout and enjoying it so you know it, it's good we're a community based gym um, we're all self funded and so just get yourself down uh, your first your first week in a gym it's always free to the, the people who want to come and start. So just get yourself in and, and get involved and come and meet your friends. 
Excellent stuff, man. Brilliant stuff. Okay, listen, Derry, I want to thank you for giving us a bit of your time this week. We wish you the best of luck for March the 4th, and we'll no doubt speak again very soon, my man. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, now it's time to conclude this week's show. This is the end of the 69th edition of the Box Hard Podcast. We've brought you another two guests on this week's show that are both part of the Hay versus Bell You Undercard next month. A special thank you to Sam Eggington and Derry Matthews. The biggest thank you of all goes out to our loyal listeners, the same as every week. Remember, if you get a chance, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really means a lot. It truly does. Remember, also, you can get involved in the conversation on Twitter at Box Hard Podcast. We'll be back. Back next week with another big show as always until then take care